Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Over My Dead Pod. This is your host, Kate Carter. I'm Kylie Colwell. And I'm Holly Spear. Halloween being right around the corner, I decided to do something a little different this week. This is not my normal story or type of story, but I'm kind of excited to do it. So please let me introduce you to the story of the Perrin family haunting, also known as the true story behind the conjuring. Ooh. Ooh. Thank you. Thank you. Excited. Okay. The Perrin family consists of husband and wife, Roger and Carolyn. And then there are five children, all females, Andrea, Nancy, Christine, Cindy, and April. Way too many girls for me, but, you know, they were trying for a boy, probably. So the Perrin family was living in Providence, Rhode Island, in the city, and they decided they want to move to the country, like the countryside, and have more land. So they found a place in Harrisville, Rhode Island. This is where they purchased their dream home in the winter of 1970. But the Perrin family didn't move into this house until January of 1971, just due to the holidays being around the corner and not wanting to like travel in between two houses, having family parties, etc. So unfortunately, during the date that they did move in to this house, it was a crazy snowstorm was happening. And it was very like the girls say it was very traumatic to move in while a blizzard was going on. The house that they purchased in Harrisville was called the Old Arnold Estate, and this estate had over 200 acres of land. So to give you a picture, basically it's a wooden farmhouse on a ton of land. The house itself is one of the original plantations in the area and had been surveyed by colonist John Smith back in the 1600s. And prior to the Perrin family, there had been eight generations of families living on the property. The parents moved into this three-bedroom, one-and-a-half-bathroom house in 1971, but regarding the small bedroom number, the house itself had 14 rooms, so there was plenty of space for the family, and if you look at pictures of the house too, it doesn't look like a lot, but once you like dig inside each room and whatnot, I mean, 14 rooms is ridiculous, so... They might have not had that many bedrooms, but they definitely had a lot of room. Yet, obviously, the kids still had to share rooms. Nancy and Christine shared a room. Cindy and April shared another one. And then Andrea, who's the oldest, had a room to herself. Keep the name Andrea in mind because she is a really big part of this story. The other girls I rarely mention. But just because she was the oldest, she maybe remembers more, had more experiences happen, so... The girls were super excited to move in, and they had lots of land to explore, but as soon as the Perrin family started moving into their new house, the happy mindsets that they all had changed very quickly. The eldest daughter, Andrea, recalls picking up a moving box from her father, bringing it into the house, and to get into the house, there was this really long stretch that she had to walk through, and she remembers walking past the dining room, and she just saw this man standing in the corner. He was oddly dressed, is what she says. And she remembers greeting him. Because the former owner, for some reason, I don't know how this works, but the former owner of the house was moving out the same day. So Andrea just assumed that the man in the corner was like there to assist with moving. But when Andrea went back and asked her mom about who this man was, her mom, Carolyn, said that no one else was in the house. A few minutes later, the rest of the parent girls came outside and they asked their mom the exact same question. So Andrea wasn't the only one who saw this man in the dining room. The mom quickly went inside the house to see what the girls were talking about and found no such man. She just chalked it up to the girls playing a joke and they all continued to move in. Now you have to remember that the parents were moving in during a snowstorm, so they struggled to get things inside the house and unpacked just due to bad weather. But another thing to point out is that for some reason, and I don't understand this either, all five fireplaces inside the house were not working. They were completely sealed off, and especially while the parents were moving in, none of them worked. So, like, it was negative degrees, blizzard happening, tons of little girls just running around all over the place, and no heat. So I would be losing my mind anyways. I would have asked for a refund on the house. I would have been like, we're going, we're going back to the city. This is not what I wanted. So obviously with how old this house is, there had been some history with who lived in it prior to the Perrin family. It was originally owned by the Arnold family, 
you know, because it's the Ar old Arnold estate, eight generations of the Arnold family lived on the estate ahead. So the original was Miss Arnold, and she was 93 years old when she died. She apparently hung herself from the rafters of the property's barn, but she was not the only one that lost her life on the property. Some of the other deaths included suicides by hanging, poisonings, a rape, an unsolved murder of an 11-year-old girl, two sets of drownings on the property creek, and four men who mysteriously froze to death on the land. That's so, kind of a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Two or three more, but... Yeah. So needless to say, there was a lot of deaths, and what, what I find interesting is, like, when I was reading about the deaths that had happened on the land prior to the parents, like, the family living there, it was Miss Perrin, Carolyn, who was saying all this stuff. So, like, she knew... They knew ahead of time, like people multiple people had died couldn't be me okay sounds juicy but i wouldn't be like yeah let's take our five babies and live on 200 acres of land where there's no one else okay wait i have a question you guys you find a dream home you go to purchase it you find out someone died in the house totally you fine, still fine. Yes. one what's your limit how many bodies until you're like uh. i i'm more of like Maybe, well, this is probably about to say, not really number of bodies, but, like, how they died. How they died, that's what I was going to yeah. say. Yeah, yeah, if it's, like, like, old age, yeah, I don't, I'm sorry. I mean, even, like, a few suicides is... A few? <laughs> a few? Fine. I don't know, but, like, it has to be a certain... How much do we love the house? What price are we paying? Do we get a discount? It's a murder. Yeah. Would, was the murderer living in the house? Like, I'm trying to think if I'm going to be, like, haunted. You know, like, if, am I going to also die or am i like gonna be cool with the ghosts i guess it's up to you and the ghost yeah that's a personal relationship well there's only way to find out is to buy the house good point cameron who doesn't listen to this at all would completely disagree he'd be like absolutely not one death oh my gosh we actually this year we put a bid on a house and the previous owner had died in the house but mm -hmm. she had died of old age but this is oh, this is a little too well. Yeah, I can say it. It's fine. It's like public news. But it's a it was a really cute house in Jupiter, and the woman had died of old age. She lived by herself. Unfortunately, her body wasn't found for like a little bit of time because she lived by herself. She nobody was like coming in and checking on her, and there were some like household cats involved oh, afterwards. No. Yeah, but so we knew this ahead of time. And we went to go tour the house, and they had completely redone the entire inside. Like, it was completely, Bonus. like, everything taken, yeah. Everything was taken out, they redid everything. So Cam and I were like, okay, like, this is fine. And then we put a bid on the house, we lost. We overbid, came in 10th place, and the person that won, like, paid 80 grand over asking, so. And so it doesn't matter to people. No, it does. So that's, a, that's, but the, the, the cat thing th threw us for a little bit. We were like, ooh. That was a detail that did not need to be added. Yeah. Well, you're welcome. I mean, what, what do you think I was just no, going to stop there? No, no by your real estate, by your agent. Oh, no, <laughs> it was like in the newspapers. Oh, no. Mm hmm, mm hmm. The inside was completely redone. So, like, I feel like that was, they did their best. Did what the are you spirit do? stay after you rip out the carpet? I don't know. Ugh. Anyways, okay, so back to my story. There was a lot of deaths on this 200 acre property. The parents knew ahead of time. They decided, it's fine. We're going to just do it anyways. Another interesting point I wanted to mention is that the eldest daughter, Andrea, said that she would often go to school happy and normal, but then when she came home, immediately when she stepped foot on the property, she would be, like, overtaken by depressive thoughts and sadness. That's um, just your teenage years. That's I I was also thinking of writing that in. I was like, well, that's how I felt <laughs> when, I, when I was like in middle and high school. Like I'd step foot in my house and I'd be like, ugh, I hate my life, you know. So the parent family were pretty much aware something was wrong in the house right from the beginning, and uh, with the property, but they just had to move in. You know, they had paid a great sum, they had sold their old house, but at some point they remembered what the previous owners had told them. The previous owners on the day that the Perrin family moved in told them that they should, quote-unquote, leave the lights on at night. Which, like, can you imagine you move into a new house and, like, you're waving to the old owner. They're, like, driving off and they're like, bye, have fun, like, just uh, leave the lights on at night. You know, that's, I'd be like, all right, we're, <laughs> we're yeah. leaving. 
There's something they did not disclose. Right. That right away is like red flags. want to play a little clip from an interview that the eldest child, Andrea, did. And she explains what one of her first nights in the house was like. When you are in the house and you're sleeping, it's bedtime, you're with your sisters, you guys are all on that top floor, and each of you are seeing different things, you're hearing different things. Did you immediately talk to each other about what you saw or did you keep it in? The first night or two that we were in the house, of course you're adjusting to a new environment. Uh, I thought that the sound that I was hearing was wind in the eaves. Mm -hmm. But that wasn't the case at all. And then my darling little sister, Cindy, crawled into bed with me. She said, Annie, can I sleep with you? I said, sure. I pulled the quilt back and let her in. She snuggled up real close and she said, I hear voices in my room. And they're all talking at once, but they're all saying the same thing. And I asked her, what are they saying? And she said, there are seven dead soldiers buried in the wall. Okay, so apart from Andrea's experience with her sister coming into her room and telling her that... There were soldiers in the walls. The paranormal activity that they experienced for a good part of their initial stay at the house was actually kind of friendly with the spirits. The girls would see apparitions quite often, and they always say that children are really in tune with the other side or the paranormal side, and that they might experience more, more ghost activities than maybe an adult would. And you can see this from past experiences outside of the story, too. Like, anytime I hear of ghost stories, it's usually, like, a young kid or a really old person uh, or even animals and if you look at like reincarnation stories it's always kids who remember things before the age of five and then the older that they get they start to lose like being able to see things or hear things i just wonder like how that works but something that i was thinking in my head too is just doing research like this with kids and older people seeing or hearing spirits it's like is it because they're closer to the death world like age-wise do you think, like, it, you know, like, because, I don't know, because you always hear, like, kids are able to, like, see things that maybe we at our age wouldn't be able to, and I'm just like, maybe because they're fresher into this world. I don't know how that works. Like that movie Soul. Did you guys watch that? Soul. Soul. No, I didn't. Really, really cute and also sad, but they have, like, when people have died, the afterlife and the new life are, like, conjoined. And people who have died are, like, teaching the babies. That yeah, see, that's, like, what life. I think. Yeah. Um, like, I wonder if that's how that works, you know? They're like, here, we're going to teach you everything before you're, you know, grown. So the parent girls would be, at some point early on, they become, became quite fond of two of the spirits that they encountered in the house. One of these entities was claimed to be the ghost of Miss Arnold, the older lady who hung herself, and she reportedly would tuck the girls in at night, kiss them on the forehead, and, like, clean their clothes. So, like, that's... I would love that. I would like a spirit to do my laundry. That would be nice. Yeah, um, spirit made. Yeah, totally fine. And then the other spirit that the girls would encounter that they enjoyed was a little boy named Johnny Arnold. He was a boy that was said to have hung himself in the attic in the farmhouse in the mid-18th century. The girls were really fond of this boy spirit, and they nicknamed him Manny, Man Nanny, which was, you know, quite genius for the 1970s. And he would play with their toys. He would watch the sisters from inside the house when they were outside, like protective. And so the girls always talked to their parents about him and like how he was just another member of the family. How little? How young? I don't know. I just know he was quote unquote a young boy. How many people committed suicide in this house? Okay, so we have Miss Arnold. That's one. Somebody count. So we have Miss Arnold. Suicides by hanging. That was plural. So I, let's say three. Poisonings, also plural. So two more. A rape. Someone died of a rape. An unsolved murder of an 11-year-old. Two sets of drownings. And four men who froze to death. When you said the second suicide, like, how many statistically do you have to have before you're like, it's not the location, you know? Like, something's... And it just, it doesn't help that, like, everyone who died was, like, the Arnold family. Because if you remember, it was eight generations yeah. of the Arnold family. So, like, wouldn't you, you know, it might be just, like, something's in the Arnold family genes, too. That's maybe True. not best. True. Ha Kylie, how many deaths did we count right there? Thirteen and what, eight generations? Yes. And that's just from what we know. On the property. On the property. 
And I'm very curious about the four men who mysteriously froze to death. Like, I don't, you know, like, that's just... Yeah. Just run inside. I don't get what that. What are they doing? Yeah. Yeah. This is one of my favorites. The family also encountered something that they called the sweeping ghost. And this spirit's presence would be heard from a distance with the sound of a broom hitting against the floor. And whenever the family would go and see what was going on with the noise, they would find a broom leaning against the wall. And next to the broom was a little neat pile of dirt. So this ghost... All it did was sweep. I was like, wait, sign me up for this house. I'm okay with this. Like, you're you're playing with my toys. I'm getting forehead kisses for my grandma. And then now they're sweeping dirt in the, you know, whatever room. So I want the sweeping ghost to come and haunt my house. I'm cool with that. Like, come anytime you want. But over time, they had all these positive experiences. And they encountered these positive entities. So they started feeling like, at some point, an overwhelming presence of negative energy in the home as well. And this is where things started to get pretty bad. So the longer that the Perrin family lived in this farmhouse, the more experiences they had with darker forces. The entire family, all seven of them, actually alleged that most mornings at exactly 5.15 a.m., there were spirits who smelled of rotting flesh come and walk through the house. Uh, not a, Yeah. And I'm like, oh, every day you smelled just a breeze of rotting flesh and you were cool with that. Don't know how that works. But not only that, at exactly 5.16 a minute later, these forces would come and start lifting up parts of the family's beds. So the girls actually recalled memories of having their beds lifted into the air or thrown around. And the girls at this time would be tossed off the sides of the beds. Or sometimes the girls would have their limbs pulled from their beds and fall on the floor true horror stuff like that right there i'm like get me out of the house that's what i think about at night you know when my foot's out of the covers and yeah 28 years old and i still like i put my feet because now that i'm you'll learn but now that when you get pregnant you get really hot when you sleep so like i barely have any covers on me and i constantly have dreams where i'm like something's gonna take my toes and just drag me off the bed it could happen well, it did yeah. happen or it could just be Finley, my dog, you know, trying to lick my feet, which would also freak me out. But more possible. So thinking back on it, the parent girls say that they don't think their parents did much about these experiences because every single person in the family was having their own individual experiences at the time. And they didn't really know what to do with it. The mother especially was having a really intense and uh, experiences, which I'll talk about later. So it wasn't just limited to the levitating beds or the pulling of limbs, but the family experienced a lot of like banging on the walls, doors opening and closing, and they would hear voices like children crying or screams coming from a distance. And this is something that the family just dealt with on a regular basis. Of course, I'm thinking, and probably you guys too, like, why didn't they just leave? Why would they not immediately move out? But you have to remember that this was the 1970s, believe that was the Nixon administration. So the economy was not doing well. The family had just bought this massive property. They moved into it. They sold their other property and it wasn't just going to be simple to like find somebody else who wanted to live on a 200 acre haunted property. You know, like I can only imagine it's hard with the real estate economy these days, but like imagine in the seventies. I feel like that's the premise of like every haunted house movie you know like a couple takes on a little bit more than they can handle and yeah movie, and, and, and then they they're stuck they're stuck it's giving yeah. amityville funny that you say that we'll talk about that in a little bit so the family had already spent all of their money moving on in this property and they just kind of had to deal with everything at this point there was one time where one of the younger daughters was pointing to the parlor room at the house and she said quote something bad happened in here from there on out, any members of the family that went into that room would have something negative happen to them. Like they would get a mysterious cut on their arm or the doors would randomly slam shut and lock. One of the most frightening things that the eldest daughter, Andrea, actually said was that at some point during their stay, there was a male entity that lived in the house. And to this day, Andrea, I tried to find so many different interviews on it and she never goes into too much detail about it. But she says, quote, let's just say there was a very, very bad male spirit in the home with five little girls, which you can imagine only the things that would have occurred, especially since she still doesn't want to talk about it to these days. 
The most infamous spirit in the entire house, though, was named Bathsheba Sherman. And she was really brought to everybody's attention through the movie The Conjuring. The Conjuring movie is basically based around, yes, it's based around the parents, parent, family, and this estate, but the whole Conjuring movie itself is based around Bathsheba. But it turns out Bathsheba was a real person. She lived in Rhode Island around 1812. In her early 30s, she married a man named Judson. From what we know, she gave birth to at least one known son. But both her and Judson at some point were known to have three kids. So I, I don't know if she like took on the extra kids, but we know for a fact she birthed one of them. But unfortunately, all of these children at some point died at a very young age. The Sherman family were outliving their lives, but it took a drastic turn when one of their infants died while under Bathsheba's care. Because this story is so old, we don't really have a lot of the details. It's kind of just like what's told over time. But a child died, and it was written down that it was caused by an inhalement at the base of the skull. And oh. that this... In yeah. <laughs> to a baby. And that this injury was most likely caused by a large sewing needle. Bathsheba was actually put on trial for the death. And for some reason or another, it was dismissed. Everyone's account in the town said, like, she was responsible for the infant's death. And then a few years later, or after a few years, all of her kids were dead. You know, you just kind of put two and two together. But another fact about Bathsheba is that she, in town, was known to be a witch. And as we do know, in the early 1800s, especially places like Rhode Island, there were constant witch trials going on. It's really hard to like have these concrete facts of like what was real with Bathsheba or what wasn't just because of what was happening in the time. I mean, if you were, if someone said you're a witch, like you just, if you had to say anyone was a witch looking at her picture, I would believe you. Okay. Would you? Look at her. I mean, the I pictures of her are older. No. Okay, the older, older picture of her. Yeah. But like she was young. She was, she was the younger pictures of her is when everything was happening. The okay, middle picture, you could tell me she was, and I would believe you. She killed an infant child. Other people were put on trial for knowing how to read. Yeah, okay. Yeah, you're right. You're right. And all of her kids died. So, like, I'm gonna, I'm yeah. gonna say, using my research and my brain, that she probably wasn't a good person. She probably did kill her kids. But I wouldn't say that she was a witch. No. I just think she's a murderer of her children. But never killed her husband. So, you know, wouldn't you think that's the first one to go? That's what I would do, yeah. Another weird thing that, you know, because the whole witch thing, they, you know, burn at the stakes and whatnot. But Bathsheba ended up living out her life. She, like, died at the age of 70 or something. So, like, she lived a good time. And a fun fact, she was buried at a Baptist cemetery up in Rhode Island. And you can actually still visit her grave to this day. So it's a little weird to me that, like, if the whole town believed she was a witch and that she did all these evil things, why was she buried in a religious cemetery? Like, isn't that, like, the complete opposite of what... Today, if someone was like, Kylie's a witch, and then Kylie dies, no priest is letting you be buried in their backyard, you know? Like, that's not... Yeah. I wonder if the witch trail also got dismissed? But the whole town believed she was a witch. So, like, she didn't have, yeah. good, she didn't have like, friends and stuff. For everyone who's listening, every week the girls and I do PowerPoints for each other while we're telling the stories. And you go looking at go look at pictures of Bathsheba. Google her, and you'll find her. Bathsheba Sherman. Also, then go look at The Conjuring, the first movie of their portrayal of Bathsheba, because it's it's such a difference. Like The Conjuring, definitely, I'd be like, yes, witch, murderer, crazy person. It's a she she done scary. She done. They scary. did her wrong. They did do her wrong. Like, forgetting the fact that she killed an infant child? She did. But the movie portrayed her as this ugly, like, ugly-ass woman in her, like, 90s witchy-looking thing. She looks like a swamp man in the movie. It ain't good. It ain't good. It is a movie, but they, they did her dirty. The rumors around town remained that Bathsheba was a witch, and she had killed this child and potentially all of her other ones. And that she was doing these evil acts because she made a deal with the devil. And the way that the story goes is that she made a deal with the devil and then Bathsheba eventually committed suicide by hanging herself on the Arnold's estate. 
but from what I was able to find, Bathsheba and her husband never owned or lived on the estate. They were actually their neighbors. I am interested if they just had a house on the 200 acres of property, you know, like, and so no matter what, the property is haunted, not just like the house. I wonder, do ghosts, like, honor property lines? Right. So, like, is it, because you always think of, like, ghost stories, it's tied to a specific, like, house, Object, property, house. Yes. stuff like that. But Bathsheba, literally, neither her or her husband ever lived on the honor property. They were their neighbors. But I was also thinking, maybe she just committed suicide on their property. It's a big property. If you're going to kill yourself, don't do it at home. Do it somewhere else, you know? Yeah, you yeah, just walk out into the woods. In the woods. Yeah belonged to the Arnold family and so then she was like I'm gonna haunt them forever you know if you were a ghost I'd haunt people I mean I I totally get it I'd have so much fun she probably had an easement across the property for haunting purposes probably get out of here (laughs) disgusting makes me want to I wish I wish I could make a property joke like going on that but I couldn't even tell you why For those that don't know, because most of you will not, because I also couldn't go into it. Holly just made a law school joke. But nevertheless, the spirit named Bathsheba became a very real spirit to the Perrin family. Andrea Perrin has suggested that basically Bathsheba carried the pain of this child's death throughout her life. And that by the time she died, she was just this like bitter woman who was full of rage. And she carried that over to her next life, the afterlife. So basically, Bathsheba just wanted everyone to suffer like she did, which I get. Like, if you had a horrible life, you died, and you were a ghost, I'd be like, I hate you all. I want you guys to also just hate life. I would haunt Uh, every single one of my enemies. I'd have some, but are you tied to the property, or you can, see, now you're, like, being able to float everywhere. I'd be like, whoever lives in this house. I don't know, I'd like to imagine ghosts could just travel here and there. Yeah. Just, like, float around? Why couldn't you? Well, I've never heard of that. I mean, all ghost stories are like tied to, like we said, are like tied to properties. Well, because they have like, they have some beef to settle with the property. Mm-hmm. You have beef to settle with people, so you just want to haunt people. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yes, same. Yeah. Okay. To each their own, you know, to each their own ghost. Anyways, they believed that Bathsheba was responsible for doing a lot of the haunting activity in the house. She would move the children's toys around, make things disappear. But the most interesting thing about Bathsheba is that she was actually infatuated and interested in the father, Roger. So in turn, because she was so infatuated with the father, she absolutely hated the mother, Carolyn, because she was married to Roger. So Roger, this entire time, even to this day, really only experienced positivity in these so-called hauntings. While basically everyone else was being like mentally tortured throughout the house, Roger would experience Bathsheba by being touched, caressed, and having things done for him, like folding his laundry or turning on hot water for him if he was going to go take a bath. And I'm like, oh my God, this ghost was in love with you. This is weird. Like when I read the word caressed, I was like, what kind of like ghost are we like Bathsheba, you dirty girl. But the women in the family obviously had a whole different story. They were absolutely petrified of her. The mom, Carolyn. Obviously. Like, the mom, Carolyn, I feel so bad for her. She was tormented by Bathsheba. Bathsheba would, like, throw knives across the rooms at Carolyn. Doors would be slammed in her face. Carolyn would be locked in closets. And there were, like, no locks on the doors. They were screaming in Carolyn's ears. Or she was being pushed down or thrown around physically and more. There was this one time that Carolyn felt a very sharp pain out of nowhere to the back of her leg. And when she looked down, she saw blood pouring from like a small circular hole as if sewing needles had been plunged into her leg, which comes back to the whole baby dying from a sewing needle. Also, it comes back to us questioning why Bathsheba didn't kill her husband. Right. But then again, maybe she did. And we just don't know that because it was so long ago like 200 plus years you know maybe there just wasn't we'll have to look so andrea the eldest sibling recalled in an interview later on about the story and said the following quote unquote some of the attacks were very physical like when my mother had needles stabbed into the back of her calf when she was laying down reading a book on the sofa one night and we couldn't stop the bleeding for hours anytime we bandaged up her leg 
the bandages would immediately fall down as if they had been cut with a knife. Another time, there was a night in the house when every spirit completely circled the bottom of my mother's bed. It was There was a burnt circle surrounding her bed as if someone had poured gasoline and then lit the circle on fire. And my mother had backed up to the headboard because she was so terrified. At that moment, she felt someone grab her face really harshly and scream at her, death, 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 repeatedly. Quote, unquote, end. And this whole story, too, like, we'll talk about it after. But, you know, just go with it, what I'm saying. We don't know. We weren't there. What happened? If you believe in spirits and ghosts or whatnot. But these people do. And they full-on believe and say that all of these things happen to them. So, like, if this did happen... How terrifying would that be to have, be in your bed and there's like a lit ring of fire and grabbing of the face and death being screamed at you? I'd be like, this is, again, how are we not gone? But that would be more, enough for me to live outside. I'd be like, freeze to death. Maybe that's what happened to those four men, you know? Like, they just... So, what blows my mind, like we just said, is that the parent family stayed in this house for almost ten years. You would think at some point they would move. Ten years is just a really long time. I don't understand it. Regardless, if you guys think these hauntings were real or not, the Perrin family obviously did. And they just stayed put. So I'm very curious why. Yeah, the anyone... dad was like, I'm staying here. This is great. He's getting he's getting like handies on the side. Well, that's bad. Take that out. But he was getting caressed on the side <laughs> by a ghost who was like torturing the rest of the females, and he's getting like He's getting hot baths drawn for him. I would stay. I'd be like, this is, I never received this from anywhere else. You know, like, this is fantastic. So at some point during their residence in the house, the parents were contacted by a couple named Ed and Lorraine Warren, who immediately came out to the property and began investigating. Ed Warren was a World War II veteran, former police officer, and a self-proclaimed demonologist. His wife, Lorraine, claimed to be a clairvoyant and a medium, and she was able to communicate with the demons that Ed discovered. Side fact for everyone listening, the Warrens are very famous in the Conjuring movies, but also just in the paranormal activity world in general, the Warrens are huge. Pros and cons, we'll get into those too. It was in 1952 when the Warrens founded a Society for Psychic Research in the New England area which in turn ended up becoming the oldest ghost hunting group on the East Coast. Ed and Lorraine were able to quickly gain notoriety as paranormal investigators in the 1960s and 1970s. Over the 10 years that the Perrin family lived on the haunted property, the Warrens made multiple trips to investigate the paranormal activities, and at some point, the Warrens were there every day for a year and a half to do an investigation. Which, like, leave my house. That is way too long. But teach their own. And if you do research on Ed and Lorraine, there are a lot of mixed stories just based off of people who believe in the work that they performed and those who are very skeptical of it all, which is totally okay. But there's lots and lots of people who attest to the Warren's work and have said that Ed and Lorraine have helped them with demons, spirits, hauntings, exorcisms, and more. So the seven most popular stories that include Ed and Lorraine's help were the following. If you guys are interested... I believe the girls will know most of these, but listeners, write these down, because these are some good ones just to look into. The 1986 Snecter House in Connecticut, that was a former funeral parlor turned home. The 1977 case of the Enfield Poltergeist, where a demon was tormenting a family. The 1971 hauntings of Annabelle the Doll, where a doll was inhabited by the spirit of the deceased girl. The 1974 Smurl Haunting, where a couple was sexually assaulted by a demon and their pets were killed. The 1989 story of the South End Werewolf, where a man named William claimed to be a werewolf. The 1975 Amnesty case that included a mass murdering. And then, of course, our current story of the Perrin family haunting. There was one time or where Lorraine conducted a seance to attempt to contact the spirit of Bathsheba. And during the seance, Carolyn, the mom, became possessed, spoke in tongues, and rose from the ground in her chair. The only people present during the seance were Ed and Lorraine Warren, 
Carolyn and Roger Perrin, and then the Perrin's eldest child, Andrea. After the seance, Roger actually kicked the Warrens out of his house because they were so worried about his wife's like mental stability and asked for them to never return. So here is a clip of the eldest daughter, Andrea, speaking about this seance. Warrens were in the house with you. What happened during that seance? It was far more intense than anything that they could have portrayed on film. Um, it did not happen in the cellar. It happened in the dining room. And I knew from that moment, I was never one to believe in demons. I knew evil existed, but, uh, and I still don't know exactly what a demon is, but I will tell you that they brought a priest and a medium with them to the house, a full technical crew that were trying to film this event. Mm -hmm. And um, they inadvertently opened a door that they could not close. The medium invited the spirits in and with them, came something which attacked my mother um i don't if she was possessed it was for a brief period of time but i saw it all with my own eyes and what i know is that whatever attacked her was not of this world it spoke through her in a language that does not exist on this planet and it levitated her in the chair that she was in and within a split second when it was done curling her body into a ball you would have expected to hear bones breaking it threw her into the adjacent parlor about 20 feet away in literally a split second. You saw this. How old were you? I am 15. 15 years old. Documented yeah. in the Warren files mm -hmm. as well. There were several people who saw this yes. all happen. That's when the parent family kicked out the Warrens because they were like, this is it. We don't want uh, Carolyn, the mom, to like have all this bad mental health after this, which I'm like, oh, that's that was the final straw. So, and according to Andrea, her family continued to live on the property because of financial instability. And so they weren't actually able to move out until 1980. So at that point, the spirits and hauntings did not follow them to the next property. But the Perrin family always stuck to the same story when it came to the Warrens, that they believed Ed and Lorraine actually made things worse in the house by causing so many issues with the spirits. So the Perrin family now resides in Georgia, so far, far away from the haunted farmhouse of Rhode Island. April Perrin, unfortunately the youngest of the five girls, passed away in 2017 due to a drug overdose. So you don't really see a lot of pictures of her like floating around on the internet. The eldest daughter, Andrea, who was primarily where a lot of my research came from, has been the main person to speak about all of the haunting events. She's currently 66 years old. And she is a author of multiple books. I think she has like three or four books. Talk about her experience growing up and the hauntings. The other three Perrin sisters, Nancy, Cindy, and Christine, have always remained private about their lives and they don't often step into the limelight. The dad, Roger, is now 89 years old and the mother, Carolyn, is 85 years old. And in 2021, the surviving Perrin family members returned to the farmhouse altogether for the first time for a three-day live stream Halloween event where they talked about their personal experiences in regards to the haunting that occurred. Wish I would have known this in 2021 because that would have been a fun event to go to. We would have had a little live stream party. Absolutely. Put us in a booth. Yeah. Like, we'll just bring our own table. We're, like, asking all the questions. Can we stay the night? Like, let me see something. Am I going to see the sweeping broom ghost? You know, like, it's just... Are you going to be thrown across the parlor? Am I going to have death screamed in my face? <laughs> um, the farmhouse itself is still located on the original property in Rhode Island, and it's actually now known as a landmark to the state. The property was purchased in 2019 by a family for $439,000. But three years later, in May of 2022, the couple sold the house to a family called the Nunez for $1.5 million. Wait. Yes, and the only thing I can think about is, like, uh, the the Conjuring came out, like, a while ago. So it was, like, pre... Like, I feel like that was, like, a 2013 kind of movie. So, like, there had to have been something... I know the market... That's, like, when the market went crazy, but for it to be sold for $1.5 is ridiculous. Here's a fun fact, too, is that in the agreement for the new owners... The former owners stated that the new owners were not allowed to live in the in the house for their own safety. Wow! So, so like nobody, there's no occupants in the house. They paid 
almost 1.5 million for a building to look at. Yeah. A building and property. It a hundred percent was because it's the Conjuring house. Yeah, I was you know, say, like like fan or like they're totally making. Or yeah, they're totally making a living off of it now, and it seems everyone who inhibited the house after the parents had also faced very similar circumstances and had their own types of haunting experiences. And as of this year, the house is open to visitors, includes several activities such as house tours, investigations, and ghost hunting events. The Nunes family is definitely making a profit off of it. I don't think I would live there either after everything. But like, yeah, I own the Conjuring house. Like, that's pretty cool. I think I would live in it and create yet another sequel. We need <laughs> more material. One. A fourth one. Yeah, we need more material. Back to the ghost hunters themselves. As for Ed and Lorraine Warren, the Warrens are said to have collected a number of haunted and cursed objects from all the cases they've ever worked through and they displayed them in what was known as the Warren's Occult Museum. Unfortunately, this museum is permanently closed and will never be opened again. Wasn't there, like, a movie about that, that they kept all their... Yeah, I think, I'm pretty sure it was, it was part of the Annabelle, it was part of the yeah. Annabelle movies, yeah. yeah. Yeah, she escaped, right? Yeah, and the whole basement was Escape. their occult museum, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. So, Ed Warren died in 2006 at the age of 79 years old in his home, and his obituary was described as a world-renowned paranormal researcher and ghost hunter. And then Lorraine, his wife, died in 2019 at the age of 92 years old, and according to her grandson on Facebook, was said to have passed quietly and peacefully at their home. Like, wouldn't you think that they would have died in some crazy-ass way? Like, if they had been ghost hunters their whole life. But no, they both died peacefully, which is all, you know, all you can ask for. So, as of 2023, there are three Conjuring movies. The Conjuring, The Conjuring 2, and The Conjuring 3, The Devil Made Me Do It. But only the first... <laughs> That name just cracks me up. Yeah. But only the first movie actually relates to the story of the parent family. So just keep that in mind. If listeners, you guys are going to go watch them. Just only the first one relates to it. And so that is the story of the parent family haunting. I'm a, I will have to be honest with y'all. I'm like, I'm a ghost skeptic. That's fine. That's fine though. Like that's yeah. teach but then their there own. are stories. There's stories like this where there's just like so much that kid. I just like, dang coincidence. I just don't think so. You know. I always think if it if it's something that occurs to multiple people, then it makes me like more like intrigued. Like the fact yeah. that this house, regardless of who's lived in it, especially in the 2000s, like shit was happening. Like that's yeah. some weird stuff. No, for sure. But also, like, Holly, have you, I can't remember if you said it or not, but have you had any, ever, any ghost or paranormal activity? No, I have not. So that's maybe why. That's a good reason. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm not, I don't say that I don't believe in it. I just am skeptical because I just, like, you know, I have to see it to believe it. I've never seen anything, so. Okay, well, if Kylie and I die, we will greatly, we'll totally haunt you. Yeah. I'm going to, like, scare the shit out of you first. I mean, as you should. And then I'll yeah. write in blood on the wall, like, haha, it's me, Kate. <laughs> it's me, bitch. Yeah, and then we'll just, like, join you on, like, a night out party and afterwards. Yeah, yeah. After yes. you believe in us. And we'll take care of you, though. We'll take care of you. We'll sweep the floors. Yeah, we'll make sure you get mm-hmm. home. See? I knew you I'll pour you a hot bath. I'll caress your body. Aw, this is sweet. As you were telling the story, it reminded me of I saw on TikTok. A town in New York called Lilydale. It's about like an hour south of Buffalo. Okay. So it's only a population of about like 200, 300 people at most. It's a town full of psychics and mediums. What? They all live together? Yes, in a town and someone who lived there, she was doing a TikTok and you walk around and everyone has like signs saying like what they are, like medium, psychic, whatever. And apparently it was like a spiritualist movement. They all moved into this like tiny community. All this. And I looked into it. So it's on Lake Casadega. And I was like, that sounds familiar. Yeah. Casadega is a town in the county I grew up in, Volusia County, which has the most psychic and mediums out of any town in the entire world. It's what is the happening? psychic 
capital of the world. What? This is like coincidences. It's crazy. Have oh, you yeah. guys, have you, and this was the town name in New York was Lilyville? Lilydale. Lilydale. So, okay, two separate words. L-I-L-Y-D-A-L-E. And then Casadega, C-A-S-S-A-D-A-G-A. Have you guys, just bouncing off of this, have you guys ever been to a psychic and slash or a medium? I saw a pet psychic or a pet medium. Did or you? I don't know the exact wording. Did your parents take you to it? My grandma hired a pet psychic for a horse she had bought me who was a little cuckoo. Mm-hmm. Mm. To get to the root of the problems. What was its problem? Just running amok. Not mm. listening. Just running around the arena. Like a that horse. Problem just, that it needed just, to discuss with you? Just yeah, what? horse. Yep, just horsing around. The psychic says things like, oh, he wants like more carrots or he's scared of like the southeast, which I didn't really understand what that was about. Cause like if it was like directional wise, the southeast. Or if you it can't was because... go in one direction. <laughs> <laughs> he was he was from Germany. We were told to speak to him in German, which none of us speak. Obviously, the pet psychic said he likes carrots, but I wouldn't consider it a true medium because my grandma did not stick to the protocol and just agreed and gave off a lot of signals to the pet mm. psychic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I told her to keep a straight face. And she didn't. Uh, she didn't. We did the pet psychic. We thought she thought he was cured. We ended up taking him to like you know an actual veterinarian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. You know, medical, medical. Um, he had a vertebrae issue. That was the problem. <laughs> Are you kidding me? <laughs> He's like, I'm not going southeast. My back hurts. <laughs> yeah, it turns out if he turns in a certain direction, his neck hurts, and that's why he was an asshole. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that that makes a lot of sense. That's great. Uh, so I've never. That's the best thing I've ever heard, by the way, actually. Yeah, that's really good. Thanks for that story. But um, like I've when gone, he turns this way, he doesn't. He doesn't like it. He screams. You know, like it makes a lot of sense. He just doesn't like it. Oh, he's in like really bad pain. <laughs> he needs to go to the chiropractor. Like it's just he gets yeah. adjusted twice and he's fine. Oh no, we yeah we had to hire an acupuncturist. Yep, they work and, magic on and horses. a chiropractor. Oh yeah, yeah yeah, they work magic. So I personally loved i i still do i love going to psychics um i haven't been in a hot minute but there's a local one in jupiter that people used to go to it was coincidentally and very honestly i don't know how this happened but she did it out of her house and her around her house they ended up like building like nightlife and she stayed in her house and she was like hell yeah i'm making money she became like the the jupiter psychic but i haven't seen her in a few years but something more recently is unfortunately you know, I mean, not unfortunately, because it's part of life, but I've had quite a few people pass away in my lifetime, unfortunate circumstances. More recently, I had a really, really good friend who committed suicide and I was in Jupiter. I think this was I think the day after that my friend had passed. I went to the mall to get something down in Palm Beach Gardens and I'm by myself. I'm like in and out at our mall. I don't like lounge around and stuff. You know, I go there for a specific, if I'm going out in public, I'm going for a specific reason. This was this past January. And I was walking like to one of the stores. I can't even remember. And I, this girl who was about our age, I would say, or at least she looked our age. She stopped me and she was like, Hey, and I, and I like looked at her. I'm like, Hey, like trying to think if I knew her from anywhere. And she goes, this is going to sound really, really random. And I'm sorry, like, I don't mean to intrude, but I'm a medium. And I like, again, I don't mean to intrude, but I just, someone is telling me to tell you that everything's okay. And I oh, looked shit. at her. Yeah. And I looked at her and I was like, actually, I mean, I believe in this kind of stuff. And I told her this and I was like, you know, I just had someone pass. So like that actually, this is crazy. And she goes, and and it's gonna be okay. Like the person, and she she well, she said he, which was correct. She was like, and he wants you to know it's okay, and everything's fine. And I just, and that was it. And she was like, I'm not selling you anything. I'm not asking you to take my business card. She was like, have a great rest of your day. I just felt like you needed to know that. And I remember walking off, and I was like, started crying. I called Cameron, and I'm like, this is 
Like Whoa. shit like that is what makes me, I'm, I'm okay with it, you know? And so to me, that was a really big deal, but I would love to like go and actually sit down with a medium someday. Like oh, Teresa yeah. Caputo, sign me up. She's up in Jersey. She can come down to Florida anytime she wants. Teresa, you're invited to my house. It, I would oh. love to have a medium experience like that, but that was my one time and it was this past year and it was something crazy. That is crazy. Like, didn't give me a business card or anything. She was just like, all right, have a great rest of your day. And she was like our age, I would say. And I was wow. like, this weird shit. Like, I didn't even pay her. I just walked off. I don't know if you guys remember, in downtown Little Rock, like, nestled between all the bars, there's, like, a tarot card reader or, like, a no, palm reader. I don't remember that. It's like, she had a little sign that was, like, right in between, like, stickies and one of those other little bars. I never stopped in there. I never saw that it was open or anyone going in. Mm. I always wanted to. Maybe we should do a little girls trip down to Florida. What if we just do a whole trip of like of haunting things or like of the experiences, you know? Yeah, I feel like the best place to go for stuff like that is like Salem. Like, it's almost overrated though, you know? Like that, like, like. Rhode Island. What are the places that are like Connecticut? Popular. Yeah. Yeah. I keep seeing videos of it and it looks terrifyingly overcrowded. Yeah. In in October, at least. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. As it, as it should be, but I'd be down for that where we all did like a weekend and just did, you know, fun stuff like that. Or what if for either mine or Holly's bachelorette party, we just had a medium come and like ruin the mood? I was, yeah, I was going to say, what are you going to, they're going to point out like me and it's just going to be horrible things for an hour and then, and then they leave. I mean, we all have dead relatives. What if they don't pick out the bride? What if they pick out like the random person? You know what? We'll we'll have to tell them ahead of time. We'll be like, only talk about Kylie and her background. I feel like the entire time I would be testing them. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. We have to like make a pact to completely stay like straight face do not yeah. give anything away and see what they say mm-hmm. right both cameron and kylie have had a, an experience to say in saint augustine so that's a great place to go and listeners this is just a little plug that i'll throw in if you want to hear this ghost or experience story from kylie and cameron do remember to check us out on halloween we're going to be putting out a special episode Keep up to date with us on our social medias and um, we'll be posting more information about it soon. But we're going to be releasing a special episode on Halloween. So it's going to be something out of the norm. All of us will be talking. We'll all be telling stories. And there's some little cool surprises at the end as well. So definitely keep up with us. And with that, thank you for tuning in to another episode of Over My Dead Pod. If you want even more information, including photos and sources of the case, you can check out our blog on OverMyDeadPod.com. Be sure to leave us a review wherever you're listening to this and check us out on social media at OverMyDeadPod. And we will see you next week with another thrilling case. Bye. Bye. Bye.